to another episode of the Eagles Water Cooler Podcast. Uh, we come together today, hopefully, to have some fun. We have with us Mike and Andrew. Um, Stat Matt could not be with us tonight, but we do have uh, some input from him. We are going to be asking some questions tonight uh, about the Eagles' upcoming 2020 season, about which uh, scenarios are going to be more likely. And Andrew has some hot takes for us that hopefully he's going to jump in and kind of sprinkle in as we go through on some related topics. But, fellas, how are we? We're good, Chris. We're good. Ready to get another pod on the way. Excited to do a different format tonight. Um, we're not focusing on one specific area of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're going to cover a lot, and I think there's going to be a lot of, uh, lot, lot of different takes on this podcast. Some hot takes. Hot takes sprinkled in there. Yeah, we got some questions going about lots of different position groups, as Mike referenced there, so we're going to kind of jump all over the place. But I will start us off with a question, uh, which is more likely. One of the big uh, moves in the offseason was the Eagles bringing back Jason Peters uh, to replace Brandon Brooks, who's now injured. Um, and Jason Peters was signed to be the right guard next to Lane Johnson. So my question is that which is more likely, that Jason Peters is a Pro Bowl guard this year or that Peters replaces Andre Dillard at left tackle? by mid-season. Mike, I'll throw it to you first. I can repeat it if you need me to. So basically, is Jason Peters this year going to be a Pro Bowl guard moving to a new position on the opposite side of the line? Or is he going to replace Andre Dillard by mid-season at left tackle, which is more likely? All right, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this from a standpoint of Peters' ability as a player and what the Eagles really would benefit from him filling um, that void. And I think he has the talent to do that. So I think it's more likely that Peters will be a pro bowl guard um, than replacing Andre Dillard because he realizes that the, <laughs> the big importance for the Eagles franchise moving forward is that Dillard really assumes that role and I think we've seen good things out of Dillard uh, progressing uh, in, you know, into his second year it is now, or yeah, second year. And I think, I think Jason Peters has the skill set and the talent to switch into that interior position. I do think there are a lot of adjustments that he needs to make in order to do that, but given the player that he is, I, I, I'm confident in his ability to more likely be a Pro Bowl guard than replacing Andre Dillard. Andrew, let's start to you. Yeah. Um, you know, this is assuming that, that Peter stays healthy, which we know is uh, probably not going to happen. Um, but I think I'll, I'll go with you, Mike, and, and I'll also agree that I think it's more likely that he'll become a Pro Bowl guard than actually replace Andre Dillard. Now, I think he won't replace Andre Dillard 
because, um, you know, I, there's, uh, who is he? Um, uh, you have Jordan Mailata. I think we're going to see some stuff from him. And also uh, Prince Tego Wanago, I think, has a chance to fill that void at the tackle position. So that's why I think Jason will probably stay at guard. If he gets hurt, then he'll move in. Um, he'll move out of that position and uh, probably Jake Driscoll. Uh, I'm sorry, Jack Driscoll will move in. Um, but I don't see him replacing Dillard. Um, that's we'll, we'll see. I mean, I think we're all hoping that Dillard has a, a better season um, and that we'll stay in, and lock up that position so we don't have to have this conversation. But it is interesting to think about now that, that Peters is back. Now, this is in a vacuum, I think, that we're examining this. But given the current uh, pandemic, what happens if Andre Dillard goes down for reasons of he gets the coronavirus and has to miss games and then the backups who are supposed to take that position just can't do it? Um, you know, what I, I guess there's a couple questions. Is, P, is Peters moved um, back to his original uh, left tackle position? And then what is the Eagles' backup plan for that right guard position? Um, Andrew, Chris, uh, whichever one you guys I'll jump in. Yeah, I, I, just to kind of answer the initial question, Mike, and then I think you raise a, a relevant question for any, everything that's going on uh, right now. My, <laughs> I think there, there's a fine line with some wishful thinking, um, and I think the Eagles even are practicing wishful thinking with Dillard. I have legitimate concerns about Andre Dillard being uh, the future at left tackle. Um, but either because they want to stand behind their draft decision or whatever, uh, maybe being stubborn, uh, the Eagles, I think will leave Andre Dillard at left tackle. And just because of the player that Jason Peters is, I could see him stepping in and being uh, a pro ball guard. Um, when I say that though, I'm a little reluctant because part of me could see, you know, COVID notwithstanding, um, Andre Dillard just not performing and then Peters having to step in at left tackle. All the reports from camp, though, are that he's come in pretty heavy and that he wanted to add some weight as a guard playing on the interior, dealing with more of the D tackles coming straight up the middle. So I'll answer my own question by saying I do think that he'll be a Pro Bowl guard before he replaces Dillard, if nothing else, because the Eagles want to stand behind their decision. Um, <clears throat> but I'll say I think that Jack Driscoll, uh, Andrew mentioned, has made some noise early in camp, and I think there's a chance that he may be able to step in in a guard capacity if he has to. Um, he's definitely impressed the coaches early, and he's had versatility, I think, across the entire line, if I'm not mistaken, when he was at Auburn and at UMass. Um, so they definitely got some options on the O-line. Let's flip to a hot take. Andrew, did you have any hot takes related to the O-line? Yeah, you know, I, <laughs> I came in thinking it was going to be a hot take, but after this, this brief conversation, it's, it's really feeling like it, it, it's not as hot as it initially seemed. But – um, the hot take was that both Prince Tega Wanago and Drake Driscoll will end up starting on the offensive line by season's end. Um, now, at first, that seems kind of crazy, but as we're kind of thinking through this, and you have Peters, who's injury prone, you have Dillard, who's underperformed, you, you know, sprinkle in the COVID thing, and, and this could be a musical chairs situation. Um, so maybe not as hot as I once thought, but that, that's what it is, that both Prince and Driscoll will be starters um, on the offensive line, I, I won't specify position. I'll just say starters on the offensive line by season's end. What do you guys think? 
Yeah, I think I think there's versatility to both players. They both played uh, together, obviously, at Auburn. Um, so they have familiarity with each other. Both of them have some versatility. I think Prince is mostly a left tackle. Uh, I'm not 100% positive about that, but I think he's mostly played left tackle, whereas Driscoll's kind of played all along. Um, Prince, from things that I'm hearing, has maybe some lingering injuries or something from uh, college, whereas Jack Driscoll has stepped right in and uh, started to impress the coaches already. So more so Driscoll, but just with the way um, the O-line has gone the last few years with uh, Peters being at the age that he's at, um, Kelsey even being at the age that he's at, that, you know, anything is possible. Um, I wish I could kind of separate them a little bit and say, yes, I think Driscoll probably will, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and say, yeah, I think there is a likelihood that both of them wind up playing before season's end. It's a long season and they have an aging line. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I just want to clarify one thing. Driscoll was, if I'm not mistaken, right tackle for Auburn. And um, he, because of his size and I think because of his, um, yeah, just physical attributes, his stature, they are looking at him in the NFL to be a, a more versatile player given, you know, his speed and his capability. Also, He's a smart kid. Um, if, you, if you hear the guy talk, he, he, he can pick things up pretty quickly. He's very well-spoken, um, speaks to his intellect and maybe his ability to, you know, operate in a complex environment like understanding uh, assignments on the offensive line given all the different looks that the defense will give you. So I'm a big fan. I'd like to see Jack Triscoll do really well. I think he can. I think he's got the skill set. Andrew, you want to answer your own there? Answer your own. Is that your belief as a hot take, or was that just for kind of like creating a conversation? Do you believe that that will happen? Um, yeah, most of these are to create conversation, but I actually do believe that that's going to happen. That was one of the ones that I, I was pretty confident in. Um, the wild card is probably Prince, right? He's um, maybe a little bit um, um, ungroomed, uh, six-round pick versus Driscoll, who's a fourth-round pick. You know, that's a pretty decent investment in the offensive linemen. Um, it seems like Driscoll has the intangibles to, to step in and, and probably make some impact. Um, but I do believe that um, with, uh, again, some of those things that we mentioned with Peters' injury history and just being um, the elder statesman, um, and then Dillard, just the uncertainty there. I think you'll see um, both Prince and Driscoll in that starting role. Chris, back to you for another question. Yeah, and I'm just going to say real quick, it's, it's kind of a dual logic thing with Peters because you say, well, he's been uh, a Pro Bowl left tackle for 15 years in the league. He'll just be able to move over to right guard. But by the same logic, you could say, yeah, but he's been a Pro Bowl left tackle for 15 years in the league. So you can kind of use the same logic to make uh, either side of the argument. But moving on from the O-line, I have a schedule related, which is more likely question for you guys. The Eagles this year are going back to Lambeau for the second year in a row, kind of unusual for their schedule. Um, and my question is, they're also, I believe, hosting the Seahawks. If somebody could look that up, um, I believe they're hosting the Seahawks again this year. But my question is, will the Eagles go into Lambeau for the second year in a row and win, or will they finally snap their losing streak to Seattle? I'll throw it to Mike again. Well, <laughs> Formula 2 winning that game last year in Lambeau Field was an, a really pristine performance by the offense. And Carson Wentz delivering the ball. Um, I think that was one of the higher scoring games they had. With that said, 
Carson. And we've had very limited media exposure to the team at this point. Like there is very little out there on, you know, what's happening with the team, like reports on the team. I don't know about you guys, but you have to search for it a lot harder this year. All I know is Carson's coming into camp uh, bulkier and with a lot more weight on him. And he said he's finally had that off season where he's been able to not focus on injury, but focus on development and improvement. And I think because of that, Carson will really take a step up this year and be able to go into Lambeau. I think, I think the Packers are on the decline and I think the Eagles can offensively out outpace that team in their own stadium. Andrew. Yeah, I mean, the other thing to consider is there's no, there's going to be no fans, right? Or at least at this juncture, there's going to be no fans. So who cares if it's Lambeau Field or the parking lot down the street? I'm right. actually not sure of that. Just real quick, I do think they play them early in the season, which bodes well for no fans, just the way COVID is going now. But the Green Bay Packers are kind of in an unusual circumstance because they're owned by the the town that surrounds the, that surrounds Lambeau Field. So there's kind of a, like a mutual stakeholder structure that's different from what we have here with the Eagles with uh, Jeff Lurie. So I'm not sure how that part of it will work, but I will say that the other factor that normally makes Lambeau such a tough place to play the weather, it'll be earlier in the season, I believe when they play the Packers. Um, so they shouldn't be up against the same sort of conditions. Sorry, Andrew, go ahead. No, that's a, that's a fair point. Um, now the, the Seahawks game um, is what month is that? November 30th. And then the following week, um, is the Packers game December 6th. So should be cold. Um, and maybe that's an issue, but I, I mean, the Eagles are used to playing in that weather. I, um, I wouldn't consider that a major factor. You bring up an interesting point about, you know, maybe, um, you know, they'll be in a unique situation where they'll be able to do things a little bit differently. However, I don't, you know, I, the Seahawks is the team that concerns me because they have our number and I don't know why. And we just, we can't seem to defeat them either there or at home. Um, while I'd like to think that being home provides us a home field advantage, you know, this year, probably not. And history has shown that Russell, Will Russell Wilson um, just finds a way to beat us. So um, I don't know. What was the what was the, what was the original question? Whether or not they they take those games or like basically which is more likely? Will the Eagles go to Lambeau for the second year in a row and win? Um, and I didn't realize that the game was in December. So thank you for that that information. And by the way, what a gauntlet! Seattle at home, then going to Green Bay. Like what a, what a um, a two week stretch there. But um, yeah, the original question was: Will they go into Green Bay and win for the second year in a row, or hosting Seattle? Will they finally snap the losing streak? As you said, they never beaten Russell Wilson. Yeah, I mean, I have to lean towards uh, going into Lambeau and winning that game. I think the Packers will be, um, you know, a similar team that they were last year. And I I just I can't say that this is the year that we're going to be, beat the Seahawks. So uh, going into Lambeau, taking the Packers, Mike, what do you got? So the past two times we've played the Seahawks, the thing that has killed us is inability to move the football on offense. So there's really – one thing that, you know, determines our capability. Well, the, the, the one thing that really shines to me is, is Deshaun Jackson going to be healthy one in order to stretch the field that when he went out last year, that limited everything we could do and playing the Seahawks just highlighted our inability to move the ball. It was, they were the most boring games to watch. It was just like us, you know, moving a couple yards here, a couple yards there back on defense. 
maybe Jalen Rager can step up in that role and be that deep threat. So, you know, there are a lot of unknowns going into this season, but I think ultimately it comes down to the Eagles offseason philosophy, which was we need speed. We need speed in order to operate our offense. And it really will lend itself to winning both of those games, which are tough games, um, Packers and Seahawks. You know, what's, what's the offense going to look like? What's, you know, what's the pace of it going to be? Are we able to push the ball down the field? Yeah, and I think I think there are two uh, opponents who typically will give the Eagles some trouble. But Mike had mentioned earlier that he feels the the Packers are kind of a team on the decline. And I have to agree with him there. I, I agree. I think they're a team that's kind of um, been for a little bit a little while now. They've had a coaching change. Aaron Rodgers is uh, kind of on the wrong side of thirty and just really hasn't looked quite the same. Still pulls off some amazing plays. Definitely. Uh, created a nail biter last year when the Eagles traveled there. Um, but Carson Wentz really dominated in that game. I mean, that was a game that, you know, that the Rams game, the uh, Panthers game from 2017, there are certain performances of Wentz that really stick out. And, and that's probably the most recent one that other than that uh, four game stretch at the end of 2019, where he really showed out and, and the running game I thought really showed out as well. Um, Mike had come up with a, which is more likely. So I'm going to bounce it over to him. Uh, to bring up his question, which is related to our confidence level on the offense and defensive side of the ball. Yep. So I'm going to pose this one to you guys. What's more likely? If it's a one possession game, which side of the ball, offense or defense, do you want on the field to win that game? Chris, let me throw it to you. Okay. So I thought about this um, a little bit more. I, I really believe that the acquisition of Darius Slay has pushed me to feel that I would rather it be the defense on the field. I do think even based on what we talked about before, like Mike said, super boring to watch the games last year because of the lack of explosiveness on on offense. But I think they have made some moves there, Jalen Rager being one of them, uh, which will change that dynamic. But in that circumstance, which the question was very specific, uh, I, I really do trust the defense. I trust Jim Schwartz. I trust uh, the line to get home, which has also been bolstered up with uh, Javon Hargrave. And, and uh, there's, there's just more of a likelihood in my mind that the defense makes a big stand when it matters, um, as opposed to the offense, who really haven't been in that position as many times over the last few years, definitely at the end of the season last year. But I feel like it's been the defense since the Super Bowl uh, that's really kept us in it um, on consistent stand. So go ahead, Andrew. Yeah, I mean, defensive wins championships, right? Um, but I'm going to disagree. I want the offense in that position. I want Carson Wentz with the ball. I want Miles Sanders back there. I want Deshaun, Rager, Alshon, Ertz, firepower. I want, I want the O with the ball, driving the field. Um, and then if you need a field goal, you got Jake Elliott. So, you know, having the, having the offense on the field to drive, um, to drive down and score. Um, I think there's just a little – uncertainty uh in the cornerback position yes we've upgraded um you know the linebackers are still pretty unknown and and looking uh weak uh the d-line though i i I will give you that that's uh it's a beast front four there that is going to cause um uh headaches for a lot of quarterbacks and offensive but uh in that scenario one possession we got to win put the ball in carson's hands mike I, I, I feel really torn. I feel like it's kind of a toss-up question um, for the sense that the defense seems like 
one, our linebacking crew is really a question mark on the field. Um, there's an injury right now at our, D, our starting D tackle position that may impact Fletcher Cox's performance on the year. Uh, Darius Slay, obvious improvement. Question mark in um, Jalen Mills moving to uh, Malcolm Jenkins' position. Uh, I think there's a lot of changes happening on the defense that needs to be proven. I will say the defense historically the past three years have been um, really the team that really came through in the clutch. But given what the Eagles put into the um, offseason process and drafting, how many we took three receivers in the draft, they are really pouring, they are investing in the offense. I think they are recognizing that we need to win games through our offense. And, you know, I want, that's what I want to see. Chris, let's let's move forward. I, I really, I hope you, I hope you guys are both right. Um, <clears throat> I guess for me, for me, I feel like the you know the veteran aspect of the defense also you know um, communicates uh, just the last few seasons the the history that they have uh, recently. I just feel like they're they're more primed for that kind of a uh, moment, um, and that the offense you know could be in a long yardage situation where they can throw a bomb, but. You know, they might be in a tight yarded situation. Mike and I went to a Bears game last year and they could not punch this ball in uh, almost on the goal line. It was just so frustrating. And, and that's kind of an Eagles thing. So um, I hope you guys are right, but I'm sticking with the defense there. Linebackers were brought up a couple times, and I think this is a perfect time to incorporate a question from Stat Matt, who uh, couldn't be with us tonight, but provided us with a question about the Eagles' uh, sixth round draft pick, whose name is Sean Bradley not the Sixers, Sean Bradley, uh, at a temple, who's a, a linebacker who even early in camp here has made some noise and um, seems like based on everything else going on with the Eagles linebacker position, it's worth mentioning. They signed a guy named Jatavis Brown off of the Charger squad, and uh, he wound up kind of walking away from football just a week or two weeks ago now. Um, so they're thin and young at that position. Um, Basically, Matt's question is, will Sean Bradley see significant time this year, see significant defensive snaps, or will he just be a special teamer? I'll throw it to Andrew. Um, yeah, I mean, it's nice to see uh, his name popping up in this these early uh, goings-on at, at uh, camp. Um, it's interesting. This guy is uh, – he's from Jersey. I think he's from Mount Holly. He went to Temple, um, so he's kind of a local guy. Um, the thing with him is he's undersized. Uh, he is he is fast. He ran a four five comp at the combine. I think it was maybe a four five two something like that. Um, but we'll have to see if the scheme fits him. It, he could be a scheme guy, um, and depending on that and being undersized, um, you know, may impact his his uh, how many snaps he gets. But the linebacking position is weak, right? You have Nathan Gary, um, who's the bona fide starter, the veteran at you know. I think this is only his fourth season, but um, the only other guy kind of in front of Sean Bradley or anybody at this point is, is Davion Taylor, who they drafted in the third round from, I think, Colorado. Um, I, I think Sean Bradley will, will see snaps. Um, I, he has to, I think he's got a uh, decent size, good athleticism. Um, and I hope this game fits him. Uh, but I, I would say that we will see, uh, we'll see a lot of Sean Bradley and not the Sixers Sean Bradley, as previously mentioned. Mike, what are you thinking about, about Bradley's um, 
2020 outlook? Yeah, no, I think the current roster kind of sets itself up, sets itself up for him to have a position on the field starting in games. Does that make me feel comfortable? No, because the Eagles are, you know, like we're going to rest our hopes on, on Sean Bradley being uh, the starting, you know, linebacker, one of the starting linebackers for the Eagles. Um, but it also raises another question that like, are the, are the Eagles, and maybe this is too much of a tangent, and if it is, we can squash this, but are the Eagles trying to sell us on the fact that the safety position that we had in Malcolm Jenkins and that we um, just drafted in Kayvon Wallace they are, have the versatility to fill that void in our linebacking um, skill set and step up and make those plays in order to do that. Therefore, they won't invest in, you know, premium linebackers. They'll just have players like Sean Bradley. And, you know, he might grow into a player, but I'm not dissing that. But he's, you know, we can't feel confident that he's going to perform that well. Chris, let's go to you on that. Yeah, I think what they're trying to sell us on, Mike, is that the league is going that way. Um, that there's kind of a global move with linebackers to be more of a safety hybrid, taking safeties from college and then transitioning them, uh, switching positions to being a linebacker um, or vice versa. We're playing that kind of like uh, positionless player kind of role like Malcolm. Um, first of all, let me say there won't be anybody that can replace Malcolm. Um, but as my own hot take, I'd love to see that person become Kayvon Wallace. I really, I think he has a, a really bright future. But um, I guess for me, there's just been such a lack of investment at the position um, for such a long period of time. <clears throat> it really does seem like they are trying to sell us on the idea that the traditional linebacker, the Jeremiah Trotter, uh, is kind of a thing of the past and that they don't need to invest in that kind of player. But you see, you know, obviously he's retired now, but Luke Keekley when he played Bobby Wagner, um, these are older players, but they're players who make a big impact. Some of the younger players, Devin Bush, Devin White, Shaq Lawson, Fred Warner, these are really good players in the league who are at a position that the Eagles seem to kind of undervalue. Davion Taylor was brought up by Andrew. He's the third round pick of the Eagles. He played for Colorado. He went to a Juco before that. In high school, he's a seventh day Adventist. I read about this uh, earlier in the week. So he was not able to play any games in high school, practice and train with the team, condition, uh, did everything else you know, required of the program, but did not play in games because it was on their Sabbath day. Um, went to a Juco, played there, played a little bit in college. He's pretty new to the game. I have to say, watching some of the tape from Colorado, Super explosive guy, really fast for a linebacker, definitely built in that hybrid mold uh, between linebacker and safety. But the inexperience there, I think, will make Sean Bradley play this year. Long way around to the answer, but basically I, I think he will take snaps. And he might be that try-hard guy who winds up falling in. You know, I had high hopes for Jordan Hicks. He's one of those players I really thought was going to blossom, but injuries and a lot of things got in the way of that becoming um, kind of a staple in the Eagles defense. So Sean Bradley can be that guy, a local guy. Um, from New Jersey who went to Temple, I think that's, you know, so much the better. Um, are we ready to move on to another, another question? Andrew, do you have any uh, linebacker takes before we move on? Yeah, let me throw out a quick hot take for you. Um, but this year, this season, the linebackers who we were just discussing are, as a unit, going to outperform the cornerback position this year. So these new guys, these, un, um, you know, unknown guys, if you will, are going to beat – out in performance, the Darius Slay, the Avante Maddox, the weak secondary that we've had for so long. These young linebackers are coming in and they're going to outperform the cornerbacks. Chris, your thoughts? I'm saying no way, first of all. I'm going to say that the, the, the cornerbacks will outperform. However, 
I like your question because if the cornerbacks are so much better, quarterbacks, opposing quarterbacks, sorry, will be looking for more intermediate stuff that will involve linebackers and give them chances to force fumbles, pick balls off, any of that kind of thing. So my gut, you know, has to tell me to go with the corners. But I will say if, you know, our whole thing here with Darius Slay was let's shut one side of the field down. If that is happening on its own and we have some stability from the safeties in the corner on the other side, then, yeah, teams are going to be forced to play those more, you know, short passing intermediate to tight ends or slot receivers, and it will be the linebackers making those plays. So, uh, yeah, my opinion is it's possible uh, for the linebackers to outperform um, because I guess the corners threaten more than they have in years past, but I got to go with the possibility of uh, Darius Slay really coming through here as a major trade. Go ahead, uh, Mike. What do you think on this? Well, I think that's a ridiculous question. Uh, that shouldn't even be it's a, not a question. It's not a question. It's a hot take. <laughs> it's a ridiculous hot take. Um, if you look at the, just the pure stats and the, the facts and the history there, Darius Slay is a proven player. Um, he's, he's gonna take care of one side of the field, barring an injury on the other side of the field. You've got, um, a, a little bit of a question mark. You, you, you know, you were hoping Sidney Jones is able to really step up this year and grow into that role. And if he's able to do that, that's great. Avante has been taking reps with the ones just putting it out there since and training camp is training camp or whatever, but just that's the way the Eagles have kind of doled it out so far. All right, and, and we've got Avante, who's been a little bit more consistent over the past couple of years than Sydney has. So given that, though, at the linebacking crew, like, we really don't have anything. So to say that they're going to outperform the cornerbacks, absolutely crazy. No way. Let's move on. That's, that's ridiculous. Don't sleep on, this, you, don't really sleep on this unit. Don't sleep however, on the linebackers. However, I do think, you know, if, if the corners do threaten, it's going to force more of that intermediate. We might see opposing offenses be the boring offense that the Eagles have been the last few years uh, if the corners are that strong. So let's hope that's the case. Um, D-line pressure will also be a big factor in that. Say that again, Mike. The D, uh, defensive line pressure will be a big factor in also forcing well, that, let's. You know, Let's use that as a transition here. I'm going to have kind of a stat comparison. This is a which is more likely <clears throat> involving two players. So which is more likely? And I'll, I'll give some stats to back this up if need be, but I just want to pose it on the outset. Which is more likely? Darius Slay has four or more interceptions this season, or Derek Barnett has four or more sacks this season? So before I throw it out there, I'm going to back this up as far as Slay. So as far as Slay is concerned, he had uh, – my dog son is really passionate about this topic. Um, Slay had two interceptions last year. He's had 19 over his seven-year career. In one year, in 2017 season, he had eight. So that's pretty impressive. Derek Barnett had six and a half sacks last year and has had uh, – he's amassed 14 over three seasons. So my question is, which is more likely for 2020? Will Darius Slay have four or more interceptions, or will Derek Barnett have four or more sacks? Andrew. Yeah, it's going to be Barnett with the sack total. I, I actually – uh, see Barnett having a great year, having well over four sacks. Um, I think Darius Slay is a shutdown corner, and he's going to lock guys in, but I don't think uh, quarterbacks are going to throw to him that often. I don't think he's going to get a, as many chances to have interceptions. Give me um, a hot, give me a hot take uh, uh, sack total for Derek Barnett in 2020. I got one for you. So here's a hot take. Brandon Graham has under five sacks. Derek Barnett has double digits. That's the hot take. 
Barnett is going to be dominant this year. You're going to see it. You're going to see why they drafted him so high. You've got Fletcher. You've got Hargrave. You've got the defensive ends um, on the opposite side firmed up a little bit. You're going to see Barnett eat this year. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I have high expectations for Slay, but I don't necessarily think, um, you know, his track record shows him as getting more than, than four interceptions. It's going to be Barnett all day, Mike. See, I, I, I disagree with you because Slay has um, – I feel like when you compare the two players and you look at their, their history, Slay is a proven player who can overall more consistently stay healthy. Barnett has not proven yet that he can stay healthy. And on top of his injury, um, you know, possibility that he may have more injuries – COVID is happening, so that just throws another curveball into it. If there's a defensive end that's going to ha- that's really going to reap, it's going to be Brandon Graham, not Derek Barnett. But I'm, you know, I'm going with uh, Darius Slay having having uh, over four, over four interceptions. Chris, yep, I'm choosing I'm choosing Slay. Real quick, right, I'm going to go ahead, Matt. Uh, go ahead, Andrew. Let me hop in here real quick just to defend Barnett one more time. I believe this is a contract year for him, which is always going to light the light the gas. So, um, Chris. All right, I'm, I'm going in on this. Barnett, already injured in camp, um, already suffering some sort of an ankle tweak or something like that by reports. Now, there's a lot of news that's out there. There's a lot of news also being made uh, of what's happening, which is not a lot at training camp, just to create some news. So I think there's a chance they're just kind of resting Barnett. I'll say this, for the question – after I made it, I thought Darius Slay won't get targeted enough to produce uh, four more interceptions. I think he could get three. I think it's possible throughout the year that he just winds up on a downfield pass being that ball hawk that he is that we signed him to be. Um, and it won't be for his skill level that he doesn't get four-plus interceptions. But uh, I'm with Andrew. I, I really I'm, – I'm waiting to see it from Derek Barnett. I've really liked him in the games that he you know I think about him coming off the edge in that Minnesota game uh back in 2017 the NFC championship game um and it was the exact you know play I mentioned this before on the pod but exact same play that he was drafted to make he just kind of bent around the corner and and strip sacked the ball and he I think is poised both because of the contract situation that he's in and also you know Derek Barnett is only I think 23 or 24 years old he's still a young guy he still has lots of potential uh, but the injuries that Mike mentioned are legitimate so you know I my hope is that it's Derek Barnett um, and I'm really basing that more on the idea of Jim Schwartz's defense uh, Barnett's skill set when healthy and the fact that I don't think Slay will get targeted enough to produce that many picks. Now, I could be dead wrong on that. They could say, hey, he's 30 now, or I think Slay's 29. They, you know, he's kind of over the hill and we can start targeting him, you know, kind of like they did with Revis at the end of his career. But I have faith in Slay. I think he's going to be one of those players that we say, this was a good move by Howe, even though it seemed risky because of the age and, you know, the, the hyped up pedigree that it actually wound up working out. So let's transition back to the offense uh, to, to hit another question, unless Andrew has a, uh, hot take that he can sprinkle in here related to either Darius Slay or Derek Barnett. I mean, that that double-digit sack total. Well, this, that, right? that, that, was, that was the hot take right there. I can't get much hotter. So, so you didn't give it – I was going to say, you didn't give a number, though. So you said – I said double-digit. So less than five, he, right? Yes. And then and Barnett, Barnett has double digits. digits. So 10 plus. Well, is it like I mean. 10 or is it like 15? 
Okay. He's not going to have call, 10 plus. Call it 10. It doesn't change it. He's not going to have 15. I mean, right. you know, if he really breaks out, I could see if it's, you know, an 11, 12 sack season, we say this, this guy was worth the first round pick. Despite all the injuries, that was that guy really produced. They showed out. I mean, that makes a huge – that's a huge difference from – eight sacks or six sacks, you know, just thinking about how much more he would be producing for, for the defense. Um, But to to transition back to the offense, I have another stat related question, uh, really a record related question here. So kind of two sides of this first part, which is more likely will Jalen Rager surpass Deshaun Jackson's wide receiver rookie record for catches and yards. Or will Dallas Goddard surpass the NFL tight end record for catches in a season held by Zacherts? All right. Now I'm going to run this down real quick in terms of numbers, and then I'll ask the question again. Deshaun in his rookie year had 62 catches for 912 yards. Ertz, who broke the record in 2018 that was previously set by Jason Witten, had 116 catches. So which is more likely? Will... Jalen Rager break Deshaun's rookie wide receiver catches and yards record, or will Dallas Goddard break Zach Ertz's NFL tight end receptions in a season record, Mike? So for the pure fact that Ertz is still on the Eagles roster, Goddard cannot get 116 catches this season. He cannot break that record. It is much more likely that Rager will be a vital part of the offense and get more than that 62 catches, 912 yards. Um, it, just, just from the pure fact that Ertz is still on the team, he's Carson Wentz's favorite target. The, just from a, you know, how distrib- if you're Doug and you say, like, how do we distribute the ball on offense? You cannot justify Goddard getting 116 catches Barring Ertz getting injured and being out for the season. In that case, then maybe he could step up and have a chance. But I'm going to go Rager much more likely to surpass that record. Andrew? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, You know, I think we've all kind of been waiting for or wanting this Goddard breakout. But I think he's just a good, you know, number two next to Ertz. Um, And they have to, you know, split production, if you will. And the percentage of that's going to go to Ertz anyway. Rager, we see the athleticism. Um, he's going to get his shots this year for sure. Our offenses, we've been talking about it on, on multiple pods, but uh, the offensive has gotten uh, more athletic, way faster, and they're going to be a big play team. And Rager is going to have his opportunities. Plus, Deshaun Jackson's injury history is going to give him even more opportunity. Um, now, that's not to diminish that rookie. Those numbers, 60, what was it, 62 and and you know, over 900 yards receiving, that's unreal for a rookie. Um, if we can get anywhere close to that production, what a, what a pick then. And maybe the conversation around, did we draft the right, the right wide receiver? Maybe that conversation uh, goes out the window. So, um, yeah, let's hope that he breaks that, uh, that record. Chris? Yeah, and I think the projections for Rager were something like 700 yards for his rookie year. Um, I don't know if that was PFF or um, it might have even been like Bovado or, you know, an odds maker or something like that. But um, I just, I agree with you completely, Mike. I think in a lot of ways, even though they're supposed to be a compliment to each other, uh, Zach Ertz is, is definitely a roadblock to, to Dallas Goddard producing those kind of numbers. However, I don't know if you guys saw the one-handed catch in training camp I got it the other day. It was on uh, the Eagle social media, but it was like 
Wentz threw it too high. He went full extension. It was like a, you know, it was like an NFL classic play. Dude just like reaching out and just making this kind of epic catch. But apparently been targeted a lot uh, during training camp and, and seems to be taking up that kind of second um, most favorite target, I guess, of, of Wentz is I think it's, it's likely that he could almost equal Zach Ertz uh, in terms of catches this year. But man, that, that 2018 season, they were so bereft of any other talent on the offensive side of the ball that that kind of is what forced that stat to happen for, for Ertz. So yeah, I'm with you guys. I'm going to give a little bit of a hot take. I actually think Jalen Rager will uh, break Deshaun's rookie receiving record I, I'm not saying it's going to be a by a lot he might even break it by you know he might have 920 yards as opposed to Deshaun's what did I say 9 912 uh, but you know you got to figure uh this guy was a big investment he's uh well acquainted you know with the team his dad played for the team uh the wide receiver coach knows him he's got multiple skill sets uh, I'm excited about Jalen Rager Mike's got a point yeah I just wanted to bring this up before we move on to the next topic Jordan Matthews, rookie season as an Eagle, had 67 receptions for 872 yards, which is greater in one category and slightly less in the other category. Um, yeah, that's Deshaun's wheels right there. It is Deshaun's – yeah, that, that's true. That's a good point. I, ju I just wanted to throw that out there just as a, a point of reference. Uh, a point but of, uh, but I – I think it's a really good point, though, Mike, because it, you're going back to Deshaun being a rookie in 2008. Uh, Jordan Matthews, who was drafted, I believe, in 2014, maybe, something like that in the, in, in the second round. So, you know, you have to figure that it's been a while since the Eagles have had a receiver who can make that kind of impact. It's, it's exciting. I have to say, Rager is somebody that has stood out. Uh, I am on Twitter and finding – uh, videos of him and also just hearing a lot of things about him being a target of Wentz's him constantly being by Wentz's side. It seems like he's one of those people we trust. Uh, I read an article that's on Bleacher Report that you can both find uh, where Wentz compared Jalen Rager and his skill set, not body type, to Julio Jones. Um, so, you know, just – Wow. The Let's confidence – Pump the brakes okay. there, Wentz. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I get it. I get it. But the confidence is clearly high, and I think yeah. that's why I bring it up. It's not because I think it's comp uh, no, comparable. Obviously, fair. Jalen Rager hasn't done anything in the league. Julio Jones is maybe one of the best receivers of all time. Um, but I think if that kind of skill set is here as a rookie, man, the impact that he can make is, is really exciting. So um, we're going to continue on. We'll probably do maybe one more of these uh, and maybe finish with a couple of hot takes that Andrew can rattle off. Um, so I'm trying to choose here – um between a few that I have this this is a real long shot so I'm going to go with this because I think it's it's one of those where there's kind of two extremes that you're choosing between so which is more likely that Alshon Jeffrey has the longest touchdown catch of the 2020 season or that Jalen Hurts has the longest touchdown run of the 2020 season I'll throw it to Andrew um, wow, that's an interesting one for sure, because it's, it's loaded with uh, different ways that you can approach this. Um, man, so let me, let me go back to it. Alshon with the longest touchdown reception. Yeah, Alshon with the longest touchdown catch. Yeah, and Rager, I'm sorry, not Rager. Hurts. Jalen Hurts with the longest touchdown run. Um, yeah, okay, so off the cuff, um, it's, I think – uh, it's got to be Hurts with the longest touchdown run. I think he's got the opportunity to be in that wildcat formation um, or some, you know, gadget gimmick play that they've already expressed 
um, some interest in uh, getting him on the field to, to get the ball in his hands. So I can certainly see that. Alshon's such a good possession receiver that, uh, yeah, man, he could catch just a bomb. It's funny because you think, you know, you, you automatically assume Deshaun and Rager are going to be the guys that are going to catch the long ones, but that's that's what's sneaky. And then you'll have Alshon being able to slip uh, up the seam and, and catch one that goes big. Um, so uh, it, it's a very good question. I am going to stick with um, seeing Hurts with the uh, the longer touchdown run versus that reception um, from Alshon. Mike, what are you thinking here? Yeah, no, I'm going Oh, Mike, you're muted. We can't hear you, buddy. Sorry. I think I, think I muted you by accident. Go ahead. Start start that one over for us. Um, yeah, no, it's I'm gonna agree with you. It's gonna be it's gonna be Hertz. And for the pure fact that Alshon is just too old in his career in order to have that catch and then uh ability to speed past the defenders that are chasing him. Uh Jalen Hurts is young. He looks like a really healthy guy. He is a runner. I think he will have that speed if he does get into the open field, um, you know, close to the Eagles' end zone on offense. He's going to run it and be able, more likely to be able to surpass the defenders just, just based on age alone. Alshon's, Alshon's on, you know, the tail end of his career. Hurts is just coming into it, so – more likely, you know, to have a longer um, run. It's going to be Hurts. Yeah, I got I to gotta side with both of you guys. I just, to me, outside of skill set, outside of body type, outside of everything else that Alshon is capable of, to me, Alshon's gone. He's just gone. He's gone in, in the sense that I think the Eagles will try to trade him uh, at some point in the season. But I just think that he's not capable, as Mike said, of making that kind of a deep play. I think there was a time in his career where he was. I think about that long bomb that Nick threw to him in, in that NFC title game um, where Alshon just kind of ran a short route and then took off down the field and Nick just found him. And he's such a big body and, and the Hill Mary is always something that can come up. But I think that the Eagles are trying to shed uh, a part of their – dynamic that's been there uh and a little bit hanging around Alshon and the Josina Anderson uh hype and all that kind of stuff that's gone on and I think they really want to do away with all that um I don't think that they feel that they have somebody else who can do what Alshon can do but uh I think he'll be gone and I think by that account and also you know it's not by default that Jalen Hurts has an incredible skill set um, and it's really exciting to think about, you know, him and Wentz being on the field at the same time and him ripping off a, a long touchdown run. So let's hope we see some of those fireworks this year. Um, I do have a few more of these and maybe we'll hit them in another pod, but I kind of wanted to wrap up maybe, uh, Andrew, do you have any more really spicy uh, takes that you can rattle off before we finish out? Mike, do you have a question? No, I was just I was looking forward to these. Uh, maybe you know a really spicy take by. Uh, yeah, let's Brian let's Jack. let's hear it, Andrew. Let's do a kind of rapid fire. I know we're kind of running long. All right, long, let's so let's do let's do, let's do, let's do three hot takes. We'll, three let's, hot takes. let's start off with the little little mild sauce, so little spice. Um, both Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave will make the Pro Bowl this year. Yes or no? I'm going to say no. I, I think one of them does, and I think it actually could be Hargrave uh, over Fletcher because Fletcher's made it the last several years but without really the stats, and Hargrave's really in a position with 
Fletch being double teamed to step up. Mike? If both of them are healthy, I, I would think both of them make the Pro Bowl. Um, I really think it, it, it really depends on Hargrave's um, health during the season. Fletcher is a consistent player. Hargrave's is there. They're both going to the Pro Bowl. Oh, yeah. I like it. I like it. All right. That's hope, that's hope man. <laughs> hey, I mean, yeah, that's everybody wins on that one. All right, number two, a little spicier here. Boston Scott, the hero from last year, will have a more MVP-type uh, – I'm sorry, will have more MVP-type games, more valuable games than Miles Sanders this year. Miles Sanders is supposed to be the focal point of the offense, but I think that Boston Scott, if you look at it across uh, game by game, he will have more impact – in winning games than Miles Sanders throughout the year. False, 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 false. I really, I really think Miles Sanders is going to continue to escalate in his career. He is uh, dealing with a little bit of a tweak of something right now, um, but every uh, report is that it's just kind of um, the Eagles being conservative and wanting to rest him for the season because they plan to lean on him, you know, pretty hard. Um, if anything, I'm going to say I think the higher likelihood is that Corey Clement has – uh, more kind of MVP type games, you know, that we were used to seeing back in 2017 kind of thing. Whereas Boston Scott has a couple of flash plays, but over a whole game that you were kind of saying it over the course of a game, I, I could see Corey coming back and having, you know, Miles Sanders said in a, uh, a press conference the other day that Corey is in the best shape he's seen him in. And he looks like Super Bowl Corey um, and all the coaching staff is really high on him. He's healthy. He's been coming off injuries. So uh, just to kind of put a little spin on that. But, Mike, uh, it was about Boston versus uh, Miles. So what are your thoughts there? You know, great hot take. Um, if you just look back on last season, Miles was what saved – Miles was one of the biggest components of saving the Eagles season, not because he was just a good running back, but because Doug was able to utilize him in the passing game and make up for the fact that Deshaun and Alshon weren't there anymore. And that really changed the complexion. Miles is a transformative and disruptive player that is an MVP candidate. Boston Scott, I really think he is a good screen pass player. He's a good person to hit the hole, but he doesn't have the same MVP talent that Miles Sanders does. I want to say something real quick, though. I think there is a potential, just to kind of advocate for Andrew's question and to make this more complicated, uh, for, for Boston Scott actually to have more productive games or MVP to use Andrew's language on the ground. Whereas I think miles this year might be catching balls like crazy out of like Westbrook used to where, you know, they'd have, um, girl buck or whoever in the backfield more running the ball out of the back and they'd have Westbrook catching, you know, uh, short passes or even, you know, deep passes seems in some cases. So I could, I could kind of see it on that level. Andrew, what's your last hot take though? Yeah, I'm just saying. When we think back of last year, there are a lot more memories about Boston Scott down the stretch there that got us to the playoffs than Miles Sanders. The stats, absolutely. Miles has them. He's going to have them. But the impact to be the MVP of a game, it's going to Boston Scott more than it is going to Miles. He's got that wiggle. Boston has that wiggle, dude. He really he, he juked uh, a few people last year where I was like, I don't know if Miles can do that. You know, I think he might be able to run past somebody or outrun somebody, but Boston Scott definitely has a little bit of that uh, that shimmy that he's I think, that, I he's think got we that might see more of. He's got that Sproles, and we remember Sproles but, from the impact he had and the, the MVP moments and things that he did, getting those third downs. You're going to see that from Boston Scott. 
Well, and I want to mention, though, that if that's the case, you know, Miles Sanders was handling a lot of kickoff returns last year. If Boston Scott winds up taking that kind of Sproles role and he's handling punts, he could impact the game in a whole other way, which I think could really speak mm. to your question. So I think the running back room might be one of the most exciting on the Eagles. I mean, the, the wide receiver room has been revamped. We talked about that tonight. But, man, there's, there's a lot to look forward to there. Andrew, what's your last uh, hot take for us tonight? All right, the final hot take. A little spicy here. Carson Wentz, despite being seemingly at his healthiest and despite being a little bit more bulked up, will statistically have his worst season this coming season. Thoughts? I guess I'm going to, like, you know, combat that by saying worst season in terms of what metric? Over, like, just overall feeling or – Overall statistics, so completion percentage might be down, yards might be down, touchdowns might be down. Like, you know, if you look across and the it, board, his, his stats will be lower than even, you know, his injury. And to platform the question, Andrew, it's on a healthy year? Yeah. Okay, because this is all projective. So. And, he's, and he's got new weapons. So, you, I mean, all, all things point to him being, you know, fantastic this year. What I'm saying is he's going to regress. He's going to regress this year. And he's going to struggle at times, and we're going to run the ball a lot. So his stats across the board will be his worst since he got into I'm going to answer this question, but before I do, I need to ask you something on the pod right now. Are you a Wentz guy or not, Andrew? Yeah, of course, right? We're all Wentz guys. <laughs> that did not sound convincing <laughs> even a little bit. Now, I got to say, I've, Andrew, oh. obviously, Andrew, Mike, and I are all uh, best friends, and we you know, talk about this stuff all the time, but – I've always gotten a sense from Andrew that there's a lack of confidence, mostly from the injury component of Wentz, um, but also this sort of like he's been a little underwhelmed. So I wondered about that being being a function of this, that, you know, in an offense with more weapons, more firepower, more explosiveness. I mean, Andrew, you said earlier, to quote you on the podcast, that you want to put the ball in Carson's hands if the, if the game comes down to it. So, you know, if that's the case and he's having a season where he's underperforming, you know, maybe he's handing the ball off to Miles, and that's part of the reason why his stats go down. I don't know if that's part of your question, but I can't see it, man. I think he's going to have statistically his best season, and hopefully he's healthy and he can finish. You know, what was his best season, I think, was 2017, and that was cut short by, I think, two games when he went out in the Rams game. I, it might be three games. I can't remember exactly, but I, I actually think he'll have statistically either his best year or almost equal – uh, what he had in his best statistical year. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, no, I think that is actually a really good question. Um, and one of the things that we were focusing on going into last season was that Doug emphasized Carson doesn't need to do more um, than what he really needs to do. He doesn't need to push the situation. He needs to let the offense work for him and you know, let the offense come to him. The fact that Carson was not battling an injury in this offseason and he's coming into camp, you know, basically stronger than ever, um, having a full offseason to develop and improve, I think that really bodes well to Carson. Maybe there's certain categories that he won't exceed maybe previous seasons. Last year, he did put up a lot of passing yards, even though, like, um, we didn't necessarily do that great. This year, I think Carson has his best QBR of his career um, based off the improvement that he's been able to have in the offseason, Chris? To me, I, I really think they found something uh, out last year at the end of the year when Carson was playing with practice squad players who had never, some of them, never taken pro reps 
and he was able to really deliver, win those last four games, win the NFC East, and get the Eagles into the playoffs. Now, obviously, the playoffs were what they were, but down that stretch, he was able to kind of take some leadership. And I think part of that was that he was playing with practice squad players, that he didn't have you know, personalities to deal with. It seemed like him and Deshaun had a good relationship, but obviously him and Alshon had some, had some, uh, you know, conflict in the past and, and that's come up so many times now. So to me, the Eagles have drafted a lot of young talent that can grow with Wentz that can hopefully uh, be kind of like under his, under his, uh, you know, under his thumb kind of because they're younger than he is and, and they're coming in hopefully uh, in a position where Wentz feels like he's kind of the top dog. And if Alshon gets moved, certainly that he has control of that receiver room and uh, can really get comfortable with these, this core of receivers for a long time who are young and who hopefully can grow with him and who all have speed. I mean, they asked Carson in one of these press conferences about, excuse me, his input uh, on the draft process. And he kind of downplayed it, but on more than a couple of podcasts, I've heard that Carson was pretty adamant about wanting to see tape of players that the Eagles were looking at and things like that. So, you know, if that's the case, I think, you know, he's wanting to be in that controlled position and um, with miles at his disposal and the running game, as well as some of these speedier receivers, I have to believe his stats will be better. I think if we are in a position where he has his worst statistical season with these players, with his health and their health, I think we got a big problem. I think we got a big problem, and and the whole Jalen Hurts thing uh, becomes a lot more interesting. They, and maybe they, that's, they maybe drafted that's him for a reason. They drafted him for yeah. a reason. I mean, and that that could be the case, um, but I really do think that they've equipped him in a way that that they want to make sure that Carson has all the options possible. They gave him a boatload of money, obviously, and a lot of their investments have been on the offensive line excuse me, and at the receiver position. So with that, we will wrap up for uh, tonight's episode of the Eagles Water Cooler. We've definitely had some fun tonight. Uh, we will plan to do some kind of version of which is more likely uh, and, and Andrew's hot take corner uh, in, in other episodes because this was definitely a good time and, and we lost kind of track at the time a little bit. But I'll say uh, I appreciate you guys both bringing some content to the table. Appreciate Sat Matt throwing out a question about the linebacker position, which has us all like, Ugh. But um, we uh, – we will come back hopefully in maybe a week, maybe a couple weeks here. The Eagles, Mike and I were talking right before the podcast, will play a game in three Sundays. So right. against, yeah. against Washington, who are calling themselves the Washington football team uh, at Washington. So it seems like a ways away, but uh, football seems like it's going to be happening. There haven't been, from what I've heard, too many reports of um, positive COVID tests. Obviously, Doug Peterson had um, – COVID and had to leave the facility and has now since come back and, and was fine, was not, was not symptomatic, excuse me, uh, during that period. So it seems like football is going to happen. Uh, and as it happens, we'll try to uh, put out some podcasts to cover what's out there. But uh, Mike, Andrew, thanks for a fun, fun pod. Likewise. All right. All right. Go birds. Go, go birds. birds.